This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Take Off with John Clark, presented by Live Casino Hotel Philadelphia. And this weekend, the Eagles can clinch everything. They can clinch number one seed, home field advantage throughout the playoffs. This is a big one, but they've got some injuries. They're going to be without Lane Johnson and Avante Maddox. Let's bring in a guy who knows what Lane Johnson is going through. Let's bring in former Eagles tight end Clay Harbor, who is uh, in Chicago a lot now. He saw Eagles Bears. He's got a lot of good perspective. Clay, we appreciate your time, man. I appreciate you having me on, John. Uh, you know, unfortunately, I do have a lot of perspective on this Lane Johnson injury. And crazy enough, the Avante Maddox injury as well, as uh, I have, I've also fractured my sesamoid bone in my toe and uh, had to get surgery on that. But uh, look forward to talking to you about, you know, what I think Lane is going through. Yeah, it's pretty unbelievable, Clay, because you hear in that Giants game that he had an abdominal, abdominal strain uh, and then – you know, he was toughing it out. And then in the game against uh, the Cowboys, of course, he tore the abductor. I guess it's a tendon because there's an abductor muscle or tendon. But he says that he is going to delay his surgery until after the playoffs are over. Everybody in Philly is hoping that's a Super Bowl. And he's going to get some rehab and hopefully be ready for the playoffs. When you heard that, that he's going to delay the surgery and try to play through this, what were your initial thoughts? So I've had so I've had sports hernia surgery four times total. Um, one of those being a bilateral adductor surgery from Dr. Meyer over there in Philadelphia. And if people don't know, it's actually a good thing that Lane is a Philadelphia Eagle because Dr. Meyer in Philadelphia writes the book, wrote the book on athletic pubalga, which is sports hernia, which is all kind of related to that same abdominal groin type injury so instead of having to fly to philadelphia to see dr meyer where he's located he's he's just at home in lane's hometown of of philadelphia but i just know i've been through this several times before and know how painful it is and it's very limiting and you can do a couple things to help and one of those things is is get injections unfortunately which i had to do uh several times throughout my career is get those injections but long term it did affect me and, you know, made it harder to do certain things um, when you try to come back from the injury. So Lane Johnson, obviously being a tackle and with his footwork and your core, your core is everything. Uh, so when you hear that he needs surgery and that he's going to delay it, what a, what a tough, tough, tough dude. We've seen him play through other injuries. How difficult is this going to be for him even after, let's say, two, three, four weeks for him to be able to battle through this? So it's going to be really difficult and it's it's going to be painful and it, and it could limit him and he will get injections, but you're only allowed to, and I'm, I'm assuming you will get injections. You, you can only get so many injections per month, say. So near the end 
of that cycle of injections, you, the pain comes back and then you have to wait a couple of weeks. And that's when it gets really difficult to play because you're feeling everything. So the first week, the second week, maybe after you get the injections, you feel good. You're like, okay, this isn't bad. I can deal with this. Third week, fourth week, in my case, you start to feel the pain. And then after that, you have to, you still have to wait a couple more weeks. And that's when it gets very difficult because you're feeling the pulling, you're, you're feeling that injury. And Lane Johnson has just done, you know, him making this decision. He just put the team ahead of himself. You know, and that's the kind of guy he is, a guy that's just tough as nails and is willing to do anything for his team. He knows he's the best right tackle in football. He gives his team the best opportunity to win, and he can do things that most offensive linemen, most tackles in this league can't do. So he's going to tough it out, and I'm sure he's going to see how well he's able to perform. And if he's able to perform at a high level still with these injuries, he's going he's to tough through it. So when you had these injuries – how often would you have to go see Dr. Meyer and, and like get those injections? I mean, how much of a process was it and, and how soon did you have the surgery? So there was two different years that I was getting these injections. One, I actually played for the Eagles and the other, I played for the Jaguars. So I would have to fly from Jacksonville after the game on Sunday. As soon if it was an away game, as soon as we got home, it may be the next morning, I would have to fly all the way to Philadelphia from Jacksonville, get the injections, then fly back and be ready for practice the next day. So you can only get them back when I was playing. It might have changed. You might have come up with some new medical procedure. But what I'm what I was familiar with, Brent Selleck had a similar thing as well. You would go to Phil, you would fly to Philly, come back every six weeks. You can only get it every six weeks, and then you'd be ready to play right afterwards. But the problem was is about week four, these injections wear off. So now there's two weeks in there where you're in pretty bad pain and it's, it's limiting. It's limiting. And, you know, for the Eagles, if Lane is trying to play these next couple of weeks and you, you space that out, you know, he's probably going to be, you know, in a tough spot, come deep in the playoffs, hopefully. Well, yeah. And just, and just to, just to be clear, he's going to, he's not going to be able to play the rest of the regular season. So he's, hoping for rehab and rest and, and treatment and, and stuff and be ready for hopefully the Eagles get a buy. And that would mean, you know, they get that extra week. And so it would be about three weeks to a month that he would have until okay. he plays again. Yeah. So if that's the case and you would probably plan on lane, you know, doing, making the smart decision and, you know, spacing out these injections to when he would be able to get them at the right time when he was coming back. So that would get him through the rest of the season. So that's that's very impressive that that Lane's able to play through this. And I mean, he's at a position to where mobility is key. He's going up against guys like, you know, obviously you saw last week, uh, Micah Parsons, guys like that. Those are tough guys. You need your core. You need your abdominals. You need your mobility to be at your best so you can really get the job done. And obviously Nick Sirianni was talking about how all the doctors, they get together with Lane's people and the Eagles. And obviously they would do nothing that would cause Lane Johnson future harm because, you know, you're weighing, okay, how yeah. much can I go through all of this? But obviously they don't want Lane Johnson to be harmed in the future. Um, Jason Kelsey, we were talking to him in the locker room and he said he also had that surgery. Now he didn't want to say it was the same exact thing, but the core muscle or sports hernia surgery, I guess yeah. maybe, you know, 2014 or something like that. Um, but is offensive line one of the tougher positions, would you think, for that injury? Yeah, it is, it, because a lot of it happens when you're off balance. You're not quite based, and 
and you're getting pushed, you're getting pulled and you're, you're out of whack. So these guys don't know exactly, obviously, what move the defensive lineman's going to give. So it's hard. You have to have a really strong core to be able to brace in these weird and awkward positions to be at your best. So that's what happens when I was playing tight end. Mine didn't happen running down the field on a cat on a pass or something like that. And it happened in pass protection. So these offensive linemen feel like sometimes are in these positions because they are blocking and having to brace against these huge defensive linemen that, that are hard to stop. And you you never know what they're going to do is kind of an unexpected thing. So yeah, it's a, uh, it's a tough industry, indu- industry injury. It's a tough industry injury and um i it's crazy that lane's gonna play through it so you're pretty surprised that you know that he can try to play through this yeah it's tough it's tough man and and for his position to be at that tackle there it's it's very impressive and it just shows his character and how much he cares about this team and i'll tell you you being in locker rooms for as long as you were uh offensive linemen are just built different those guys are built different. I've known some players to, you know, call it with this injury and say, Hey, I'm going to have surgery. I'm, I'm done for the year. I can't play through this, but these offensive linemen guys like Lane Johnson, they're built different. You know, they, they, they love it. These guys, I mean, you see Lane with the dog mask. I mean, that's, that's Lane Johnson. He's a dog. He's going to play. And, and obviously they're also going to be without Avante Maddox. He's got a significant toe injury and, and you've had a similar toe injury. So I'm not sure exactly. I, I heard it was big toe, but but me, my uh, final year with the Saints, I actually broke my wrist and my toe in the same game. And I had to go get toe surgery in which they removed part of my sesamoid and it healed up fine. And I had to get my adductor released in my toe. You have adductors in a bunch of different parts of your body and they had to sh- shave down my bunion. So there was a lot of stuff there. But I did come back 100%. It took a while. It probably took me... <sighs> five months to get back to where six months to, to get back to where I was actually capable of doing things. But afterwards I was able to get back to 100% with my foot, but it was just a long process having that toe injury. And you think about it, that's what ended Deion Sanders career turf toe, that toe injury. And it's something that can come back and bug you. But now with the procedures they do to do today, when I was there, um, I'm able to, you know, utilize my foot and toe, full flexion, full range of motion, and really still be able to do a lot of those uh, athletic movements. That's good. And and by the way, I mean, I think for the average person, they should rename it because I think when the average person hears turf toe, they're like, oh, well, that can't be that bad. <laughs> yeah, it's a brutal injury. In- here I go again talking about industry. It's a brutal <laughs> Injury. You know, I'm in business school, John, and I'm I'm talking about different industries. I was just studying my Kelly School of Business stuff, getting my MBA. But uh, turf toe is a brutal injury, and it's it's one of the hardest. You can't play with it. You're, everything starts at the ground. You're changing direction. You're pushing off, and especially if you're defensive back, you need your feet. You need your toe. It's really tough. But I think it's something that he can come back from and recover from. And people. You know, uh, he's a big part of that defense. He's a top 30 ranked on pro football focus cornerback. He's great in the run game. He's great in coverage. And if you look at the game that C.D. Lamb had, all his yards, all but seven, were in the slot against a slot defender that wasn't Avante Maddox when he left the game. Opioid addiction is a national public health crisis. The Someone You Know podcast from the Independence Blue Cross Foundation 
offers inspiring stories that challenge stigma, offer hope, and humanizes the disease of addiction. So download the new season three of Someone You Know on all major podcast platforms. You know, the Eagles are rolling along, you know, 13 and one, and they go to Dallas. Lane Johnson gets hurt. Avante Maddox gets hurt. Big effect on the game, that Avante Maddox injury, like you talked about, especially in the third and 30 with uh, Josiah Scott coming in there and maybe not being as good or, uh, you know, they got a quick snap and, and the communication wasn't there. So I ask you, Going into the playoffs, obviously without Lane and Avante for the next couple of weeks, but you know yeah. they may not be a hundred percent. Does this change your opinion at all of the Eagles being the best team number one in the NFC? You know, I was just asked this question uh, earlier today on a, on a on an interview, and I think they are still the best team in the NFC, but I think now they have some weaknesses. I think before it was hard for me to really point out a weakness for this team. Go their defense, their offense, they have everything. Now, when Lane's not in the game, okay, now, you know, the protection, it's a little bit difficult. Now you have, you used to have that line, that side completely locked down, didn't have to worry about anything. That's how good Lane Johnson was. Avante Maddox, the slot defender, that's a huge, there's so many offensive coordinators that can write up certain plays in certain directions in certain formations to get the matchups they want. Matchup with Avante Maddox? That's a good matchup for the Eagles. You got Slay, Bradbury, Maddox. There's no way. I don't care what you're drawing up. You're not going to get a good matchup. Now they're going to use motion. They're going to use formations, and they're going to get big-time players in the slot so they don't have to deal with Bradbury, so they don't have to deal with Slay. So now, to me, that's a weakness. That's tough because maybe you get C.J. Gardner-Johnson back, and he can play some slot, but now there's a weakness, and there's something to exploit. I still think they're the best team in the NFC, but now there are some weaknesses that you can start to see. Yeah, and, and you do a good job out there. I've seen uh, your work, podcast with Marshall Harris and, and analyzing the NFL. So is there a team that you say is the biggest threat to the Eagles in the NFC? Obviously, we saw what the Cowboys were able to do to the Eagles in Dallas. Um, I've seen the 49ers, but I, I say, hold on, who have the 49ers actually beaten? That's yeah. one of the questions about them. But is there is there a team that you fear the most or that would be the biggest threat for the Birds? You know, I know this team isn't, you know, people don't don't really respect them as much, but I think the Vikings, you could get Justin Jefferson in the slot. They got Dalvin cook. They got a good team. Kirk cousins. If he can play in the postseason, I think they're a team that can give them some problems. I think the Cowboys too, you get CD lamb. You saw what he's able to do in the slot against that coverage without Avante Maddox. So I think those are two teams. I don't know. Maybe green Bay sneaks in the playoffs. Aaron Rodgers always a problem, but you know, overall I'd say Minnesota, and um, and Dallas are probably the two teams that could pose a threat. And, and you know, the Eagles, we're talking about historic sack numbers. They're on their way to breaking their all-time sack record for a season. And, you know, you go back to the days of Reggie White, yeah. uh, Jerome Brown, Clyde Simmons. So that's pretty impressive to hear. Uh, and they've also got six or more sacks in four straight games, like the second team to ever do that. But how much of that is also – the defensive backs and the secondary, giving them that little extra time with their coverage. And then when Avante Maddox goes out, you saw what the Cowboys were able to do and get that ball out quick to your, to your slot receiver. Is that really a huge injury and it affects the rest of the defense? 
Yeah, it's all it's all a symbiotic relationship, and they they work off each other there. If you have good defensive backs, then the receivers aren't open, so the quarterback's going to have to hold the ball a little bit longer. And now now the defensive line is is getting is hitting home, is getting the sacks. On the flip side of that, you have a good defensive line that can get to the quarterback. Now the quarterbacks don't have to hold up as long, so that puts even more pressure on this D line. I know they've been great, but now Avante Maddox is out. You're going to have to get you're going to have to get home. You're going to have to get some pressure and you're going to have to get it quick because these guys aren't going to be locked up like they were without Avante Maddox. You're going to have to bring in some young guys, Josiah Scott, a guys that aren't as talented as Avante Maddox. So now you're going to have to hit home a little bit quicker. The sack numbers might go down because you don't have the same type of coverage. And and on the offensive line we were talking about Lane Johnson, what would be your philosophy because we hear a lot of coaches say you don't want to move too many parts on the offensive line. So the way we're thinking is that Jack Driscoll will step in and fill in for Lane Johnson and keep Jordan Mailata on the left side. But then there's a school of thought that you want to have your five best guys out there. And would your five best guys include Jordan Mailata and Andre Diller? So what, what would you do? Would you keep just people in their spots or would you kind of switch it up and get your five best out there? I would keep everybody in their spots and, and, and go with Jack Driscoll because you don't, like you said, you don't want to start moving around. This this unit plays so well together. When you start moving things around, that's when you start seeing some some miscommunications, uh, you know, a mess up there, a miscommunication there. Let these guys, these guys know their calls. Let them keep doing their same calls and everybody stay on the same page. What you might want to do is obviously is use say Jack Stoll a little bit more as a chipper, or maybe instead of getting Dallas Goddard down the field, like you want to do, you got to use him to chip the defensive end to chip the outside linebackers in instead of, you know, getting them out on a route earlier. And that's a lot like, you know, like you said, I'm a, I'm a hometown bears guys. The bears have to use a lot of chips because that offensive line isn't great. So now you start using chips and it does, you do lose something as far as the downfield threat, guy like Dallas Goddard, but that's what you're going to have to do until Lane Johnson gets back to, to make sure that that right side is secure. Yeah. You do a lot of good work in Chicago. And so you were able to see up close Jalen hurts in Chicago. They obviously were talking about how cold it was. And I got to tell you, it's one of the coldest games I've ever been to when I was on the field and Jalen hurts had the two early picks afterwards. He said he could hardly feel his hands. They were numb. And his vision was messed up. So a lot of things going on. But you saw how he faced adversity once again. And he sprained his shoulder and threw a couple of dimes. That ball to A.J. Brown for 68 yards. That was amazing. How much does Jalen Hurts impress you? We've seen all the things he's improved at. But just his toughness, staying calm, and when facing adversity, how he always seems to come up in the fourth quarter. We saw it in Chicago and Indianapolis. Yeah, he's... um. He's just a true leader, and that's the guy you want to lead, you want to lead your team. I mean, this guy is all football all the time. You know, some young guys you might see, you know, they got other priorities. They might want to go out on the town. Or Jalen Hurts is a guy who's just all football. He's studying tape. He's in the weight room. He's working here. He's doing this. He's he's just a guy that is all football all the time. And you see him in games like Chicago. You got to find a different way to win. It was so cold. The ball's hard. Your hands are numb. Your feet are numb. The field's hard. You felt that field in the, in the winter. It's like you're playing on concrete. Yeah. So now he's rushing the ball more. He's finds a different way to get his receivers the ball, and he comes out with a win. That's why, in my opinion, 
Jalen Hurts should be the MVP of the league, even though he missed his last this last game, played with a sprained shoulder in Chicago. That's what an MVP does. That's why, in my opinion, best team, best record in the league. Give this man, give this man his respect. Give him that MVP award. See, that's an interesting question because I'm now seeing on the national shows, all I see is Mahomes, Burrow, Josh Allen. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Hurts isn't like even mentioned this week because he misses a game. But that's a great point you make because of what he did with his injury in that game in Chicago. That should count for a lot, right? Absolutely. And the fact that you saw what happened when he missed the game, you know, the offense wasn't the same without him. Obviously, they still put some points up, but he had two big interceptions. They're not the same without Jalen Hurts. If Jalen Hurts is playing, in my opinion, they win that game against the Cowboys. So you're able to see there a little bit, okay. You know, some people, I think I saw a couple people say that the Eagles are just as good with um, with uh, with Gardner Minshew. And, and no way. Jalen Hurts is valuable. Nobody can, He can't run the ball like him. The way he runs his zone read, the way he throws the football, all-encompassing. As a player, I'm not saying just the passer, just the runner. Together, this guy is the most valuable player in the league. So when Jalen Hurts comes back, we don't know if he's going to play against the Saints this weekend. Would you run him the same with the zone reads? Of course, the RPO, the RPO, okay, but zone reads and things like that, do you run him a little less because he's coming off injury? Or is that such a great threat to the defense the dual or triple quarterback in a way that you have to keep doing it at the same level that you were. Honestly, I think you, you start off trying not to use that as much, but in crunch time, you got to trust him. You got to trust him to be smart. Like Jalen, we don't want you taking these hits. You get the yardage, you pick your spots and then you get down. I know he's a guy that wants to get against Chicago. I mean, he took some shots. So you get, you pick your spots and you get down. We don't want you taking hits. You're a quarterback. We need you for this playoff run. We need you if we want to win this championship. So you let him pick his spots. You still got to call him if it's a close game. If you can start off, you know, first couple drives and you're moving the ball without that, without the zone read, without the RPO, then, you know, maybe you don't have to do it. But if you do need that in the game, because it's a big part of his game. It's a big part of what he does. I mean, defenses have to pre prepare for that. That's tough. That's tough to stop a guy like him. You got to trust him that he's not going to do anything to get himself hurt. Tell you, this Eagles team, when you look at their season, uh, you played for the Birds under Andy Reid. Is this the most complete Eagles team that you've seen in a long, long time, because I'm thinking of the Lane Johnson injury and how, okay, they were really good at perimeter runs to his side. Um, obviously, you know how good he is, but I'm thinking like the weapons that they have with AJ and Devontae, Dallas Goddard, Miles Sanders, and all the different things that they can do. Maybe they can make up for that. Maybe not lean on that right side as much. I mean, this, this complete Eagles team, can it overcome stuff like this? Absolutely. It's, it's a complete team. And I mean, since I've been watching Eagles football and playing Eagles football, in my opinion, it's the best Eagles team I've ever seen. I, I mean, you look at their losses, you know, to Washington should have won the game e easily should have won that game. I mean, there were some crazy calls out there and just some crazy things that happened. Dallas Cowboys should have won the game. Okay. I think this team has a, you know, that it possibly could be undefeated right now, in my opinion, but you do have AJ Brown. Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard. Those are three guys at the top 10 
in their positions. Dallas Goddard's top five tight end, top three in my opinion. A.J. Brown, top five receiver. Devontae Smith, top 10, top 15 receiver. These are guys you can get the ball get the ball to. Miles Sanders, I think, is very underrated running back. People don't talk about this guy. This guy's big. He's athletic. He can run. This offensive line, obviously you're losing Lane Johnson, but you still got some good players on this offensive line. Even without Lane, I mean, it's a, probably a top 10 line. And that says a lot when you lose a guy an all-pro player of his caliber. So I think this is why you put together a team like that. This is why Howie brought in all these guys. You can rely on some of these receivers, this running back, and, and maybe you don't have to use Jalen Hurts as much to get the win. Do you have uh, any concern Sunday against the Saints? Saints coming in here. They're not scoring any points. I think – Less than 15 points a game over their last seven games. That's the fewest in the NFL. But they do have the Taysom Hill element that can throw off a defense. He can run it. He can throw it. Um, Saints coming in. Any concern that the Eagles won't take care of business and, and clinch everything? I think they take care of business. I mean, there's a little concern. You know, how are they going to do? Are they going to attack the slot? Are they going to maybe send some pressure off that right edge and, and, and test the offensive line there? But I think Sirianni is is ready for all that. They've talked about it. They've they've talked about okay, if we start getting pressure, we're gonna have to chip here. We're gonna have to send some help here. You know, Jack Stoll is gonna be ready to to help there as far as the slots concerned. I mean, they've I think they've covered all their bases, and they're gonna be a team that can overcome this adversity. And that's why you know they're my favorite right now to go to the Super Bowl in the NFC. There you go. I mean, you played at the link. So if they're able to get that bye week and rest up, because, you know, talking to Jason Kelsey today, he says, yeah, it feels like we're in week 17. I mean, everybody's got something that's bothering them. And then that would give an extra week for Lane Johnson, Avante Maddox. We don't know about him or his availability at all. Um, but playing at the link, when you have to go to the link, we saw it in 2017 with the Vikings going there and the Falcons how much of a home field advantage is that from your perspective, having played there? Oh man, it's great. It's great being at home in the link. It's uh, it's one of my favorite stadiums and I'm not just saying that John It's honestly one of my favorite stadiums. This place is great. The Eagles fans, there's nothing like them. It's one of the best home field advantages in football and teams. No, I remember buddies on other teams. Like, man, I hate coming to Philly. Like your guys, your guys fans. I go, yeah, it's, it's, it's beautiful. Isn't it? So it's a tough place to play. And if the playoffs have to go through, the NFC has to go through the link. I mean, come on. The, the Eagles are going the Eagles are going to the Super Bowl. Oh, Philly's going to like to hear that. Uh, what are your favorite memories of of playing for the Eagles in the city of Philly? I have a lot of them. Um, I mean, obviously personally, I have to go back to my my first touchdown. I caught a a pass on a Tuesday night against the Vikings, a Joe Webb game unfortunately, but uh that was my first touchdown Tuesday night football because a game got canceled because of a snowstorm on Monday night. And that was a lot of fun. But I mean, honestly, it was just the city, the food, the atmosphere, just everything about Philly was great. Playing with, you know, Michael Vick, Deshaun, LaShawn, and such a, you know, big name guys that were just really good teammates. And, and obviously, Andy Reid, being able to learn from him is how he does business as a human as a leader and just taking things from him that I'm able to, to implement in my everyday life was, was really special. And just to say, I played for a coach like Andy Reed. It's pretty amazing with Andy Reed, the longevity, not just in Philadelphia, 13, 14 years 
I mean, I think he's creeping up when Kansas City now. I mean, we're going on what, like 10, 11? It's Nine, crazy. 10, 11? Yeah, so, yes. so this will be 10. Yeah. So, so I mean, has any coach ever coached that long for two different cities, the longevity in each city? And now he's top four, top five in wins of all time. He's going to wind up one of the top four coaches ever. And he's probably going to get another Super Bowl at some point here, right? Don't you think? I think so. I think he's going to get another Super Bowl. Hopefully it's not this year. But honestly, my Super Bowl pick um, right now is Andy Reid and the Chiefs versus the Eagles. It's going to be an Andy Reid revenge game here. So I think that's very possible if you look at how these teams are set up. But, yeah, incredible, incredible career Coach Reid's had. And, you know, obviously he's he's great at the X's and O's as a, as a play caller. He's able to take these elaborate things and, and simplify them. You, you think to defenses, all these offensive plays, wow, these, these guys look, these plays look so hard. And to us, it's just simple, basic stuff. He puts it in such simple terms that anybody, not anybody, but it's so easy to run this offense. But these are very advanced things that you're doing if you're a defensive coordinator, a defender. You don't like, how do you guys know these formations, these motions? He's able to simplify him, but also because he is such a good coach, he goes to bat for his players and everybody loves this guy. I don't think I've ever met a guy that had anything to say, bad to say about co playing for coach Reed. You loved, you love to play for him. He's a player's coach. And now you see all the success in Kansas city, which is great to see because it couldn't happen to a better person. Now, when you were with the Eagles under Andy Reed, did you guys still have what some of the old vets used to call junk food Friday? Oh, yeah. He was all about the burgers, man. He loved the burgers. Coach Reed, you know, he'd go to a city and he's talking about his burgers and the food, and that's always a thing. And I'm like, man, how are these? That was a surprise. I get to the league and these guys are being, I'm like, I thought these guys were supposed to be these finely tuned athletic machines. <laughs> and Coach Reed is over here giving these guys burgers. And I, you know, I kind of adopted it to myself, but I was always kind of a stickler, stickler on what I ate. But, uh, those drunk fruit Fridays, man, it, it builds that team unity. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing I tell you, the, Jeff Lori and the Eagles have done such a great job in choosing and finding head coaches. When you look at it, Andy Reed was, you know, built up from the O line and he was a quarterbacks coach in green Bay. Wasn't a coordinator. They found Andy. They found Doug Peterson under Andy. And then they found Nick Sirianni. I mean, that kind of came out of nowhere. So, They've done a great job. Each of these guys, you can tell, especially Doug Peterson and Nick, they really have that emotional intelligence and treat the athletes almost as equals now and include them in everything. It's not a dictatorship or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, you take, you look at Jacksonville, for example, and you see what happened with them under Urban Meyer. You know, it was like you said, it was the dictator. It was literally the dictator. And then you have to bring in somebody who's the opposite of that. You bring in a guy like Doug Peterson. And, you know, that's that's perfect. That's what Philadelphia does. They find those good players. And you see the difference, right? You see Urban Meyer versus Doug Peterson. Obviously, Doug Peterson, former quarterback, former quarterback coach, offensive coordinator. Now he's a head coach. And you see that the Jaguars are in a position to make the playoffs after winning three games last year, there were people were calling Trevor Lawrence a bus. And now he's, he's over the last seven games has been the, the best statistical quarterback in the league. So Philly has just done an absolutely amazing job in finding these head coaches. And, and I think with Mr. Lurie, 
it goes for he hires good coaches, but also good people. Doug Peterson, Andy Reid, I haven't met Coach Sirianni. I've heard good things about him from the guys that know him. But those guys are just awesome people, and you know they really do care about you. And, um, you know, Mr. Lurie does a awesome job with that. And I'm intrigued by your Super Bowl prediction, so I'm going to put you on the spot. If they said you're going to be at the Super Bowl in Glendale, Arizona, played under Coach Reed, played for the Eagles, and you got to put on one jersey, Andy Reed Chiefs or Eagles, what are you going with? Oh, I'm wearing the Eagles jersey. I love Coach Reed, and I always pull for him. But you know, I, I just love the Philly, the Philadelphia fans, and and my time there with the Eagles. I'm going to put on the old '82 jersey and uh, and cheer for the birds, baby. Fly Eagles, fly. Nice. Uh, and before I let you go, um, obviously being on the Bachelorette and Bachelor in Paradise, um, <laughs> is there somebody you can nominate from the Eagles' offensive line through the years, even when you played for the Eagles, or? Even uh, now, the offensive line they have now that would just truly crush the show. It would just bring in ratings. Bachelorette, Bachelor in Paradise from the Eagles O-line, the history of the Eagles offensive lineman. Well, okay, I'll, I'll say two guys. And, I, you know, obviously the first one is obviously he's married and got kids now. Jason Kelsey. I mean, that guy's hilarious. I mean, you talk to Kelsey, big personality. Kelsey would do a great job. And uh, we were buddies back when we were both single in Philly. And, you know, I think he would have done a great job. And then you go way back to when I, when I was playing as well. And uh, Todd Harriman's, you know, Todd was, uh, you know, Todd was always the pretty boy, you know, offensive lineman, usually the the gritty, you know, the big uglies. But Todd, Todd was always the big, tall, pretty boy type. And I think I think they would have loved him on The Bachelor, you know, six, seven, 300 pounds in shape guy. Todd would have probably crushed it. But Todd Harriman's Jason Kelsey, you know, handing out the roses, I think uh, <laughs> I think would have been great. I'm telling you, they should, if the NFL network or some NFL show could get the offensive lineman's version of Bachelor in Paradise, Bachelorette, I mean, come on, huge ratings. You got to sell that show, John. I think maybe you could be like the Chris Harrison guy to, um, you're like the guy that hands out the host, the host of the show. I think love it. I, th- I could see it. I love it. I love it. You know, the, the dates they go out, she has a salad. He has like the 48 ounce steak and like a couple oh, burgers yeah. on the side desserts coming. I mean, I, I think this would be great. Oh, it'd be hilarious. And you know, you're not <laughs> supposed to eat on the dates because of TV. And I, I could definitely see the offensive lineman. You oh, know, you're not chowing down on his burger. You're not supposed to eat on the dates on the bachelor. No, really? How come? Uh, like microphone issues. You're like chewing, you're talking. It's like, you don't, nobody looks like great eating. They say, so they feed you before the dates. And then when you're on the date, they just have the food plated there and you're just supposed to literally just have dinner conversation without eating. Ah, see the linemen, they wouldn't be able to sit through that. Exactly. That's why it'd be fun. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. So there you go. There's any other little, uh, you know, tidbits or secrets from, from the bachelorette or uh, bachelor in paradise that we don't know about. Oh, it just, everything isn't what it seems. These guys, you do something that's called these ITM in the moment interviews, which say you come in on the first day wearing, say I'm wearing this shirt on the last day, they'll have me come back in, wear this shirt and then interview me as if it's the first day. So now they're getting your perspective on something you barely remember from the first day and the last day. And they're kind of coaxing you to say what they want to say, because now they know, you know, what kind of direction they want to push 
you know, the, the story. So a lot of the stuff is kind of, you know, they can make it look any way they want to make it look. Yeah. And it's kind of like, uh, you know, they probably are egging on things like, Hey, why don't you, why don't you bust their chops about this? Or let, let's get a little, let's get a little beef going with this guy. I'm sure. Absolutely. It's all, you know, it's all the, the most dramatic season ever. They're all trying to get the, the drama and for that, for alley television, the drama equals rating. So they want the most drama they can find. And they always try to find a villain and find a hero. And they try to do that, you know, work those people against each other. So people will tune in, you know, to basically see who wins. Can you give me the weirdest question you ever got? from the bachelorette or bachelor in paradise and compare it maybe to the weirdest question you've ever gotten in the draft process, the draft interviews. Oh man, that, that would be tough, but I, I, I don't think I can pull anything off the top of my head there. But what I will say is funny, John is a lot more people know me as clay from the bachelor than know me as you know, Clay Harbor, the NFL player, which to me is funny because, you know, I spend my whole career playing football. I go on the show and now say I'm, I'm out at dinner. I go out to for drinks with friends and it's like, oh, my God, you're that guy from The Bachelor. I'm always like, this is so funny to me because I see myself as a football player. You know, I played nine years in the NFL and I was on this show for like a month and it's like <laughs> you're Clay from The Bachelor. So that's always been so entertaining to me. And you know, bachelor fans are, they're nice, but, uh, you know, I, I like the, the football side more, the football fans, Philly fans are, are my type of people. So, so let me guess the dudes mostly recognize you as clay Harbor, the football player, and maybe the women recognize you from the bachelorette or bachelor in paradise. Yeah. Kind of ba based on the demographic, you can kind of tell who's asking you what questions. If it's a woman it's typically going to be the bachelor guy, but guys, sometimes they get forced to watch it with their significant other. And like, man, I loved you on the bachelor. My girlfriend, or my wife made me watch this, man. You're awesome. Like, Oh, thanks buddy. I appreciate that. But yeah, you're, you're pretty much spot on. It's, it's literally, it's the demographic of the bachelor. You can kind of tell is like women from like 18 to, to 35. And then the, the guys, you know, are, are the ones that, that know the football stuff. I'm kind of stunned that they haven't started like a uh, fantasy football for, for the bachelorette or, or something like that, or, or even like, you know, big time betting on who they think is going to survive, you know, and stuff like that. Who's going to be the, Oh, you're way yeah. off. You're way behind. They, oh, they do that all the time. Yeah. But there's so many spoilers. They can't really bet on it, but there's bachelor pools. There's people, they have bachelor brackets. It's, I didn't had no idea how big this show was. When I went on, John, I was literally, my agent's like, Hey, this company hits you up the bachelor. Like, I'm like, okay. I'm like running my, my career probably got a couple of years left. Maybe it could be something cool. You know, it could turn into something. So I ended up going on there and I know I thought it was just going to be, you know, a couple of weeks, like no big deal, like continue as life as possible. And then it's like, wow, how many people actually watch this thing? I had no idea. <laughs> I guess it's primetime ABC network, but I was shocked when I found out like how many people watch this thing. And I didn't think I'm like, no, none of my teammates will know, like who's going to watch the show. And then obviously everybody started giving me a hard time for it. I'm like, man, this thing really spread like wildfire. I didn't realize everybody was going to kind of know about it and was going to watch it. Were, were you on there when you were with the Eagles? No, it was when I was with uh, the Saints. Okay. See, I know you as Clay Harbor, the football player. See? Yeah. <laughs> see, there you go. I see? appreciate that, John. Yeah. Thanks, man. <laughs> well, what was the biggest thing they did to you in the locker room or that environment uh, after you were on? 
I remember in uh, New Orleans when I came back in the locker room, there was like uh, there was like three or four roses in my locker. And I, I, you know, if you don't know the show, there's it's all about will you accept this rose? And I, you know, I just laugh. I'm like, all right, guys, this is pretty good, pretty funny. You know, good, good work. You know, can we just get back to football now? But yeah, leaving the roses around was always funny. That's funny. Who, who's got the tougher fans? Because I know nowadays with social media, you know, athletes are getting DMs from fantasy football people, very upset that they didn't get the stats. Or, of course, sometimes it goes way beyond what it should. Or Bachelorette or those shows, do you think people are also getting DMs? I don't know if you did. DMs, uh, you know, stuff about the show, nitpicking about stuff. Oh, the, the bachelor fans are harsh sometimes, man. I, so I didn't get engaged when they, when they wanted me to. And, uh, I heard about it. These people think these people were the people that wanted me to propose to them. Cause some of them were like, man, how are you not going to, I'm like, I knew the girl for two weeks, man. You know, I wasn't ready. You know, I was like, I wanted to date her, but th- these bachelor fans are pretty tough people, man. They, they want to see what they want to see and they're going to let you know about it. They are tougher than football fans, huh? More the harsher. Obviously, you know, the football fans are are, are diehards, but these bachelor fans get pretty crazy with it. There's like entire chat rooms about this thing, and it's it's pretty crazy if if you ever get into that. You still on there? You still see your name thrown around there? No, I'm I'm happily retired, man. I'm just watching my cousin. I got my cousin on the show and he's going through all that now. So I just watch from a distance and it's all fun, fun and games to me now, now that I'm no longer, you know, a part of that uh bachelor nation as they call it. Well, I, I think Eagles fans in Philly, we can finally get that label off the harshest fans out there, the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles fans, and now we'll put it on Bachelor Nation fans. So thanks for Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah, Philadelphia's number two now. Bachelor fans, number one. (laughs) Love it. Well, hey, we know you as Clay Harbor, so respect to you and uh, former Eagle. And I think everybody here would be really happy with your Super Bowl prediction of Eagles Chiefs. So we're going to remember that here as we watch this Eagles run. Absolutely. Yeah, we got to pull this interview up when it when it happens here in in, in a month, a couple months. We'll give you your credit, man. We'll throw it out there. (laughs) Yep. Perfect. Hey, keep up the good work in Chicago. I've been watching your stuff uh, with Marshall Harris and uh, your podcast that you do and your good analysis on Twitter. So keep it up, man. It's good perspective and insight. We appreciate your time. I appreciate it, John. Thanks for having me on. Oh, mom, so flagrant.